This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. <laughs> Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. On second and ten, he's got lots of time in the pocket. He goes to the back of the end zone. Touchdown, Eskimos. It is Nate Ajay, 36 seconds to get a touchdown and take the lead into the dressing room at halftime in a game they have no business having the lead in. Riley drops back, dances around a bit, he throws, there it is, touchdown Eskimos, and Kenny Stafford continues his fine work tonight. Eskimos looking for a 10-point lead on the Lions. There's the give to Gable. No stopping him this time. Touchdown Eskimos, C.J. Gable. Riley takes a two-step drop, settles into the pocket, it now throws deep, flags down on the play. There's a reception. Duke Williams to the end zone. Touchdown, Eskimos. The Duke of six goes to the end zone for Edmonton. Morley Scott with the call here on 6:30. Chad Friday night as the Eskimos came on like a great green and gold tidal wave and swamped the BC Lions 41-22. Though a very slow start to that game for the Eskimos to break it down. Former Eskimo, our analyst here on 630, Chad Blake Dermott. Blake, welcome back. How are you doing? I'm doing fine, Reed. Thanks a lot for having me. Yeah, good to talk to you again. Thanks for making time for me uh, tonight. Obviously, the Eskimos getting to enjoy a bit of a long weekend. I'm sure they're uh, back at work uh, looking at film and, and getting treated and all that kind of stuff. But, man, Friday night, Blake, that was like the, the BC Lions dominated a 25-minute game, and then the Eskimos came back and dominated about a 35-minute game. Really, really turned around there. It was, as you said, yeah, the Lions dominated. It was really ugly to watch that first uh, first 25 minutes. Uh, Edmonton just couldn't get out of their own way. And then and then something just sort of clicked, like the light went on. And in the last five minutes or so of that second uh, quarter, they just took over the game. And and as I said in the broadcast, they just made it look easy. And, and, and into the second half, uh, BC was never back in that game. Well, and you made a point when we talked last week that, that maybe C.J. Gable could get some rushing yards if, if the Eskimos had a lead and were trying to put a game away. And, and, I mean, he started picking it up late in the first half when the whole offense did, but you you were bang on. He was starting to reel off some some big runs in the fourth quarter, and it looked like a pretty demoralized B.C. defense out there. I, I, I just don't know what happened to them at that point. You know, I, I realized that... Uh that Riley looked really sharp in that uh, in that second half, and and uh, that offensive line, you know, as we talked about, how they it, sometimes it takes more than a you know, a, a day at one game to, to be able to get to the feel of working with each other. But boy, they looked uh, like a well-oiled machine uh, just before half, and then into that second uh, the second half, it, it looked like two different teams. And and it, it, near the end of the game, you just wondered, boy, BC just didn't even look like they could compete. 
It was interesting sitting in the stands, Blake, because I wasn't at the Hamilton game. I was in Dallas for the NHL draft, but definitely uh, the people around me, there was sort of a lot of uh, held breath and, uh-oh, is this here we go again for about a quarter and a half before the Eskimos picked it up. But but amazing, too, even though the Lions were in control, Blake, when it was 14-2, I was thinking about missed field goal, another single on a missed field goal, settling for a field goal around the five, and I'm thinking, man, it could easily be 23 Two for the Lions, and instead it was only 14-2, and as often happens, leaving those points sitting there often comes back to haunt the team. You know, and that that was one of the things that uh, we talked about in the pregame about there's certain aspects of the game that of the of the defense that that needed to step up. And obviously, you know, they said the defensive backs, but that's a combination of things. And 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 the biggest key to that was getting pressure going into this game. the The defensive uh, the defense of the Eskimos only had three sacks. And two of the guys that had sacks weren't even on the roster for this game, so so they needed some some uh, some I guess some guys to step up. And Botang had two sacks, and he hadn't had a sniff uh, up going into this game, you know. And and uh, they ended up with five sacks on the day, so they were able to get the pressure, which then helped out. Uh, really helped out the secondary, and and I thought defensively they really gelled against this team. You know because they had some they got some really strong uh, receivers, Brian Burnham and uh, Manny Arsenault, really good receivers, and and Jennings had played pretty well in the game before. He was twenty for twenty three in passing, and and he was below fifty percent, I believe, in this game. So so the Eskimos defense really picked it up, but then. You really saw with how that helps the defense when the offense is moving the ball and staying on the field and maintaining drives. And, and when they get their running game going against any team in any league in football, if you can run the ball and pound the ball against a team, doesn't matter what time of the game it is, it can be very demoralizing for a, for a defense. You know, Blake, Duke Williams has been pretty uh, captivating to watch for the last year and a bit. Uh, I know in the in the preseason and, and through training camp, there was talk about him maybe adding some other elements to his game, being able to catch more of those possession-type passes as opposed to just being that dump, that sort of jump ball, deep threat-type player. The thing is, it's working pretty well, him being that deep threat-type player. I don't know if they need to run him on short patterns. He can just keep going down the field. Well, you know, they got they, there's some other guys stepped up too. I thought had decent games, and and uh, Kenny Stafford had a really good, nice game. Uh, and and of course, uh, Darrell Walker and Duke Williams, I believe, now are sitting one and two in the CFL in pass. After this game, 165 yards, I think he had rushing. He uh, he is now number two in the league in rushing. So, and and of course now Riley with another game over 300 yards passing. That this offense started to look like what we thought they were going to be like at the beginning of the season, and of course uh, where they were near the end of the season last year. So. You know, it, it was a. It's tough for a team to come in and play in the road. Uh, Vancouver coming in on the road, and you know, it's a fairly late game for them to be playing. But, but there was an awful lot of guys. Eight guys on the roster were ex Eskimos. It was an interesting storyline. You know, the president of the club, the general manager, and and all of these players, and and they. And that's one of the things that I said at the beginning in the broadcast. Was my concern was, I think BC is going to come out and play very strongly, and it's like a big heavyweight uh, uh, bout that that if you can withstand the first couple of uh, the first couple of rounds then settle in, then I, I thought that that's the way the Eskimos would, would uh, have some success, and it turned out to be that was the case. BC came out firing, and Edmonton was a little flat. They were more catching, and uh, and then as they got it figured out, they, they just took over the game. All right, now big home-and-home home coming up with Toronto. Blake, always great to have you on the show. We'll do this again next week, buddy. Have a good week. All right, thanks a lot.
and the Eskimos at Toronto on Saturday. James Franklin will be the Argos starting quarterback. We have it for you on 6.30, Chad. The countdown to kickoff will be at 2 Saturday afternoon. The game will start at 3.30. What is it like to be perfect? What's it like to throw a perfect game in baseball? You will have the answers from Rich Walker of the Edmonton Prospects when we get back. Excited to talk to our next guest, pitcher for the Edmonton Prospects. I was at the Eskimos game Friday night, and I got a text from Jordan Blundell, the assistant general manager for the Prospects. He said, hey, one of our guys threw a perfect game tonight. I was like, what? A perfect game? Well, I don't have a show until Monday, but we're getting them on. I'm pleased to welcome Rich Walker to Inside Sports. Rich, my name is Reed. How are you doing? I'm doing good, Reed. How are you? Doing very well. What have the last few days been like, buddy? Uh, I've been pretty great. Um, you know, just soaking all in, enjoying it. It's been, it's been crazy. First perfect game ever in uh, the Western Major Baseball League. You, d- you did it Friday night in Fort McMurray, a 4 nothing win. How many pitches did you wind up throwing, Rich? Uh, I want to say 95, 96, something like that. So pretty economical as well. Look, what was it like going through that game? I mean, did you know right away you had good stuff, or or just take me through how you felt on the mound? Uh, I mean, from the first, first inning on, you know, we had a four four spot in the first. You know, that made me just immediately go into attack mode. You know, I just started throwing strikes, and you know, with that mentality, my stuff was just starting to move well, and. Uh, you know, just throwing the contact and was just missing a lot of missing a lot of bats. So, you know, just first couple of innings worked out great, and then just kind of just kind of kept doing it. I guess. What? Well, when did the when? I guess if at all, did the possibility of a perfect game enter your mind? Uh, probably when I finished like the seventh inning, because then you know I uh, got back through the top three hitters and I knew I only had six more outs but tried not to let it get to me too much so I'd stay focused on you know just continuing to hit my spots and you know had a lot of trust in my catcher Anthony Casati he was uh you know making me feel really comfortable out there just going with what he was seeing and calling and called a really really good game for me. Well, I'm glad you mentioned your catcher's name because he's obviously a big part of it, so I'm glad you wanted to get that in there. Now, there's superstition in all sports, and in baseball, one of them is that people aren't supposed to say the words no-hitter or perfect game if a pitcher is working on them. What were your teammates like around you in the dugout in between innings? Like, Were they leaving you alone? Was it usual chatter? What was all that like? Uh, I mean, the first couple innings was just usual chatter. Like, guys were just giving me knuckles, you know, saying, like, keep working, you know, the classic stuff. And then I think, like, the fifth, fourth, fifth, sixth inning, everyone kind of was just, like, looking at each other. Like, no one was obviously saying anything, but, you know, some guys told me, like, after that they were, like, giving me knuckles. And then, like, when they won't kind of realize it, they're like, oh, my, should I give them knuckles? Should I not? Should I? 
so it was kind of it was kind of funny. <laughs> All right, Rich Walker joining us on Inside Sports through a perfect game for the Edmonton prospects Friday in Fort McMurray. Tell me about the final out, Rich, just before and just after. Uh, I mean, just before I was pretty calm. Uh, you know, I just knew I had one more to go. Just had to keep that keep that focus. Couldn't let it get to me yet. And then do uh, the pitch, saw the ground ball, Huggins. You know, could immediately tell he was he had a great read on it. Right, right after it, um, kind of just was watching. You know, just like oh, here it is. And then the throw comes. You know, catch. He's out. I turn around to see a uh, side run at me. Stillman's got his hands up, and everyone, everyone pumped. And there's just there's just I know. I had no word, and I still don't really. It's pretty crazy. Who's the first person or people you got in touch with after the game? Uh, my parents and my uh, two best friends back in Arizona. Were they able to follow online, or did they not know until you got in touch with them? Uh, my uh, my dad my dad was watching it live, so that was pretty cool. Uh, my mom just landed. Uh, on a plane, so she was just watching it like on the replay on YouTube. And my uh, two best friends back in Arizona, they were watching it live. But when I called them, they totally played it off like they had no idea. And then they got all, <laughs> they got all excited. So it was pretty, it was pretty cool. <laughs> just like true good buddies, eh? Yeah, just downplay the whole yeah, thing. Yeah. Uh, Rich, so, so so you're from Arizona. Tell me a little bit about your baseball career and how you wound up with the prospects. Uh, so pretty much uh, pitching at Mesa Community College or one of the uh, coaches here is a coach at Gateway. So we played them during the season. And uh, I had a couple good outings against them, probably my better ones of the season. So he got to see me pitch well. And uh, my pitching coach, Dave Robb, uh, he's a coach at Okotoks, and he they couldn't fill a spot. Uh, so he kind of was just, hey, you want to go to uh, – when want to go to Orb, and Orb took me, and uh, yeah, well, that happened. It's uh, a great experience. Was it? Was this your first year with the prospects? Yes, sir. So, what? What's your impression of Edmonton so far? Uh, I love the city. Great people, great fans. You know, a lot of nice people. Cities. You know, there's so much to do here. Got to see some cool things so far. So it's been amazing to me. How old are you, Rich? Uh, I'm 20. So still young, so still uh, still working hard. And obviously you had a teammate get drafted uh, about a month ago, so maybe that's in the cards for you someday. That's pretty cool. Well, i got to ask you this. When's your next start? <laughs> because if it's in Edmonton, you might get a bit of an extra draw that night to see you pitch. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm not, not 100% yet. I know we have a road trip coming up, so I might might be doing some relief work or not really too sure yet. Okay. Well, I, oh, I got to ask you too, Canada Day last night, I think you guys had over 7,200, 7-6 uh, win. What was that game like? Oh, that game was, that game was awesome. You know, we had a lot of, a lot of grinded out at bats. Uh, Taryn pitched a, pitched a great game. You know, he had a little bumpy start, but, you know, really settled in and kept the game close and gave us a chance to, uh, come back you know guys made big pitches guys made uh, a lot of great plays uh offense was really clutch in the last inning and we just uh found those couple runs we needed and got the win and 
you know, it was awesome to do that in front of all the home fans on Canada Day and, you know, keep, uh, keep the win streak going. Rich, well, this is an incredible accomplishment. Uh, I know no matter where you go in your life and career, Edmonton and Fort McMurray are always going to mean a lot to you. Congratulations. Thanks for letting people know about that experience and getting to know you a little bit as well. Thanks for coming on Inside Sports. All the best. Awesome. Yeah, I really appreciate it, Reed. Right on. That is Rich Walker checking in tonight. Perfect for the Edmonton prospects as Morley Scott slides in. He's got Jason Moss coming in after the 7th News. I mean, we always, sometimes you and I will just be sitting in the sports department and for no reason go, El Presidente, El, El Perfecto. Perfecto. But I mean, well, I mean, this is, that league's never had a perfect game. And I, I mean, it, I, he was taking us through the experience. I mean, I can't even imagine. That's one of the most unique and incredible accomplishments in all of sports. The the nerves and the anxiety when you get to the sixth inning must be just incredible in that situation. And especially, like, what do you say? He was twenty. Yeah. I mean, come on, <laughs> that's got to be such an incredible experience for sure. Good for him, and a great crowd for the prospects last night. Uh, when I was there uh, last week, uh, they lost Okotoks. They were in a bit of a downslide. Now they're they've they've won a few in a row. So so good for them. And uh, yeah. <laughs> perfect game and he said it was great how the teammates didn't know how to act anymore like do they keep doing yeah. what they do after every inning or do they stop doing it so it's pretty funny but he made it through all right jason moss is coming in morley scott's gonna have the eskimos coaches show big thanks to angie quinnell working hard as your studio producer tonight dave campbell's the producer of the show back with more inside sports tomorrow eskimos coaches show up next thanks a lot for tuning in hope you had a wonderful long weekend Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.